0: This week, Second Timothy, and we're going to start in chapter two this week. And uh, as we as we get into this, what I want to talk to you about is I'm gonna I want to say some things this morning that I don't want you to be offended by them, uh, unless the Lord is offending you, not me. But what I want you to do is I really want you to listen. In in our in in our society today, in The United States of America, things have changed drastically over the last 20 years. I mean, drastically over the last 20 years. This last Friday, the House of Representatives voted on a bill called the Equality Act, and the way it was pushed was that we want equality for everybody. And that means uh, equality for uh, homosexuals and transgenders, people uh, that want to, uh, men who want to be in the women's bathrooms, and the, the biggest thing was that it was talked about was that men and women's sports. And, and okay, I get that, and I'm not for that. Uh, I mean, that you just, you know, just because you say that you're a, of the other, other persuasion, you're still a man and you're in a woman's sport, and that just becomes co ed sports, and women uh, don't prevail in that. But the thing that wasn't talked about in the Equality Act was the religious uh, restrictions that would be applied. And, and the the things that could happen to the church. Now, this still has to go to the Senate, which it most likely won't pass, and I highly doubt that President Trump would sign this uh, bill into law. But in this, you had uh, you had every one of and, and listen, I'm not getting political. I'm just giving you the facts, okay? You had every one of the Democrats voted for this, and eight Republicans voted for for this this bill. But this bill would would force churches even to allow. Uh, Force churches to allow people that do not believe the way that the church believes to be hired, maybe even be pastors of the church uh, i mean that 's that 's where it 's going. Our society has changed so much. if you look back to George Washington, our first president who didn 't want to be president he was he was pretty much forced into that position uh, he did it he did it because he was needed, not because he he really wanted to do it. He was a man of prayer. He spent a lot of time praying. He prayed over his military, over his guys daily. There's lots of crazy, miraculous things that happened, and I'm not going to get into a history lesson to let you know everything, the miraculous things that happened, that we could even become a free country, our own country here in the United States of America. But our country was founded by Christians. The majority of our founders were Christian men. And as a matter of fact, when we talk about Sunday school or what we call life discipleship groups on Sunday mornings, one of our founders was the person who started Sunday schools because uh, he felt it was that important that we be in the Word. Our original uh, Congress would have church meetings every week. They would have prayer meetings. They would have revivals in the Capitol, in, the, uh, in Washington, D.C. So when we look back on our history, we see a history of, uh, of the of the church being heavily involved in everything that went on. And that is why I believe that we were a successful country. That's why I believe that we have been one of the most successful countries ever, especially a democratic republic. <clears throat> it's just been amazing how God has blessed us. Has God taken his hand off of us? I'm not God, so I don't know. Do I believe that God is removing some of the protections from us? I do believe God's removing some of the some of the protections from us. And we could get into the end times prophecies. We could get into Revelation. I don't want to do that this morning. What I want to say to you this morning is, as we're getting into 2 Timothy here, is you can sit on the sidelines. You can sit back and say, you know what, I'll go to church on Sunday mornings, and then other than that, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to make money. I'm going to do things. And we could go, Ah, yeah, I hear about this, but I'm not, I'm not worried about it. But when we begin to do that, when it becomes to, to to the to what we are as a nation, we cannot, as Christians, go that direction and become uninvolved in our uh, process of electing people, of laws, of of these these things that are put on books, and then cry about it later on when we say, "Well, we don't know why in the world it's happened this way." Well, you know. We have become wimpy Christians. Let's put it that way, okay? Let me be honest with you. we become wimpy Christians, the United States of America, because we want, every time we come into a church service, what do we want? We want a church service that makes us feel good. And when we walk out of here, we want to go, oh, man, I feel great. I went to a church a few years ago, and and they do, during the summer, they do a movie theme. And I walked into the church, and I and when we came in, they had these Big letters at the front, and it said uh, uh, "big screen" or something. I can't remember what the what it was, but these big foam letters It was really cool. I was like, hmm, "That's interesting." Instead of donuts, they had popcorn. I was like, hmm, "Popcorn, all right." So I grabbed the popcorn. I started eating the popcorn. I was like, "Popcorn on Sunday morning? I don't know. I like popcorn." And and then church is about to start. I was like, "Oh man, I, I better get finished." And so I'm like, oh, "I'm not ready. eating all this popcorn. Throw it in the trash." And I walk into the service. And when I walked into the service, and I looked around, and it was like everybody had popcorn in their hands. Now, this is not a dream. This is, this is true, okay? I know it sounds like a dream to a lot of us, but it's not. Sound sounds like some crazy dream my wife would tell me because I don't dream. I have no dreams. So she destroyed them years ago. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. My wife is amazing. My wife is amazing. I wouldn't be here without her. I'm, I'll tell you that right now. But anyway, I, I walk in there. Christy and I walk in there, and we're looking around. We're like going, why does everybody have popcorn in their hands? Why, why, why does everybody have popcorn in their hands? And they're sitting down, and worship starts out. And it's like this song. I mean, they didn't sing this song, but it would be like us singing, you know, nothing is impossible. Yeah, and, you know, it's exciting. We walk in. I'm standing there, and everybody around me is just sitting down eating popcorn, watching the praise and worship go on. And I'm just sitting there going, what is going on here? I, I'm, I'm, I'm really confused. Church is full of people eating popcorn, watching the worship team. Then, after that's all done, the, the, this, this preacher comes to the platform and he's got his Bible. I don't have my Bible with me. I always use this, but he's got his Bible. And he's talking, and he's got his Bible. He's talking, man, I tell you what, we're so glad that you're here this morning, da-da-da. He never opened his Bible up. I don't know why he's holding it. I guess it's a good prop. We're so glad you're here this morning, da-da-da. You know what? We love this series, this at-the-movie series, whatever they call it. And uh, we have more people every year saved at this series during this series than ever. In the last 15 years, every year, this is when we have the most people saved is during this series. And I'm going... I've got to see this. i got to, man, I because I hadn't started Unlimited yet. I was like, I, I need to know what's going on. If we're getting people saved, doing it this way, I need to find out. How are we reaching these people? So then this great movie comes on, a Kevin Costner movie comes on. A big screen comes down from the ceiling. Kevin Costner's up there, and, and it's the, it, I can't remember the name of the movie. Um, it's a movie about the the Hispanic runners down in Texas that, you know, they had a, a track team that was noted good. I mean, I mean. They're a bunch of small Hispanic people, right? Uh, and they're not any good. And it's uh, this movie, uh, uh, Kevin, it's a true story. And Kevin Costner in the movie plays the coach. And anyway, in the process, by the end of the movie, what happens? They end up winning the national, winning the championship, the state championship and all this kind of stuff. As the movie's going on, the main pastor of a church would, every, every once in a while, would come in and you would see him on the screen. And they had recorded him. They'd taken him down McFarland. Uh, McFarland McFarlane is the name of the movie. McFarland USA. They took him down to McFarland and they videoed him talking McFarland. And then the movie's over with. And then the then the campus pastor gets up and he says a little bit of something and asks people to raise their hands if they need more of Jesus or something. And then declares, you know, we've had so many people reach out to the Lord this morning for salvation. Da, 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 da. And I was like, I don't know. I was sitting on the very back. I never closed my eyes. I never saw anybody really raising their hands. And uh, we walked out. I told my wife, I said this. I said, you know what? I feel great. Man, I feel amazing. I feel inspired. I says I'm so mad. I says because I didn't hear anything about God. I heard a lot about how we can overcome and if we just strive and if we work hard and we do this, that, and the other. But I didn't hear Jesus talked about. It. And I remember in the scripture, he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. He didn't say if you feel good about it, if there's a feeling, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And I walk out of there and, and I say that, I tell that story so that you can understand where I'm coming from when I say wimpy Christians. Because we're coming to church today and we're expecting to go filled and inspired uh, of, to do good, good and great things. And the thing is, it, and I was just listening before church this morning, the Voice of the Martyrs Network. The Voice of the Martyrs is an organization around the world that is helping uh, the persecuted, the truly persecuted church. And we're headed that direction in the USA if something doesn't change. But the persecute those that are being killed, you know those, those people got killed on Easter? Those 300 people that got killed on Easter, those Christians? And they're overseas, they're over in these countries, and they're helping those people out, and they're supporting those people. And I, I want to say, you, you, you're not going to go talk to them, to those Christians, and they go, boy, I wish we would have watched a good movie that inspired us this morning. I wish the preacher would have said something very positive this morning about how great things are going to be and how life is going to be so cool and, and, and God's going to bless us and everything else. Instead, they would probably walk out, and I am going to tell you that they're going to say, I'm just asking that the Lord will keep us safe this week. And in the process, I pray that I can talk and touch somebody for Jesus this week and they can come to Christ. Why? Why, why would I say that they would say that? Because I've heard a lot of the stories, and that's what they're worried about. That's what they're, they're concerned about. When, when their brothers, their uncles, their fathers, their, their sisters and mothers are raped, and their uncles and fathers and brothers are crucified, put up on, on makeshift crosses, and killed and beaten to death. Now, I'm not saying that we can't have a good life. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy what we have, okay? I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is we are getting to a point in the church in the USA that it is more important to us to feel good and to to pleasure ourselves with the things that we can have than to be focused on God. So, let's get into 2 Timothy and this is remember this is the final the final writing uh, that we have of Paul. He's about to be he knows he's about to go away. He's about to go on to be with Christ. <clears throat> and, and this is what he has to say. He said, so you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Share the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses with faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And let's stop there for a second. So what did I say a minute ago? We want it to feel good. And what is Paul saying to Timothy? Endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now I know we've got how many? we got at least two soldiers in here. Do we have? How many of you in the military? I know we got two. Anybody else? All right. So we got we got Billy back here. Uh, is a captain, uh, army captain, and uh, right? Is that right, Billy? Army captain? Am I correct? Okay. Will up here, uh, Marines, I was in the Marines, Lance Corporal in the Marines. So if you talk to these guys, they could tell you a few things about being a soldier. And one of the things they do when they take you through basic training is they don't take you through basic training and tell you how great you're going to be. Hey, you know, they don't come in at, at 6 o'clock in the morning and give you coffee and go, hey, Will, <laughs> Here's you some coffee. Hey, we got donuts in in the shack over here. Uh, Man, we've got got a great place for you to sit down. We're going to let you watch the news this morning. And, man, we're going to have a great day today. And they they pat you on the back and say, man, you're going to be a great soldier. That's not what they do, do they? Not likely. (laughs) there would be more signing up. Yeah, exactly. That is a great point. There would be more signing up. Is that what we're doing in Christianity? Let's make it palatable. Let's make it easy. Oh, anybody can become a Christian and say, oh, it's great. Everything's great. Everything's life's going to be great. Live the way that you want to live. Why do you think that the scripture refers uh, to us as soldiers? Not because we're militant, not because we're trying to go out and kill people, but because soldiers uh, soldiers have a specific thing they're supposed to do. They have orders that they're supposed to follow. And when we become Christians, we become soldiers in the army of Christ. And there's some old songs that go along with that, right? And, and that's, there's not, that's not a negative thing. That's actually a positive thing. If we don't have a leader, if, if the army didn't have a leader, if, the, if the, the, the Marines and the Navy and the Air Force and, and, and um, you know, all of them, we got a bunch of them out there, if the, all of those didn't have a leader, then they'd just all be going which way? They'd be making their own decisions, what's best. See, our leader is Jesus, and he knows what's best for us. It, it, Would we call on him? He is the commander in chief. We just prayed a minute ago for destiny. We talked about letting the Holy Spirit guide us and direct us and point us in the right direction. What is the scripture that I said? That his words are lamp to our feet and light into our path. There is an instruction manual. As Bible, uh, you probably heard this acronym Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, right? The Bible. That's what it is. We have all of that here. But instead, we want to hear something good Sunday morning, and it doesn't even have to have a scripture verse to it, as long as it's inspirational. We want, want to know something. If you don't have Jesus, inspiration is going to get you nowhere. You may get some stuff, you know, you may have a nice house, a nice car, but inspiration ain't going to get you to heaven. We are soldiers, and it's going to be hard. And when you go through basic training as a soldier, they make you do hard things. They make you crawl through the mud, and they make you climb up over big obstacles, and they make you, if you're a Marine, they make you run forever. That's why I could never be a Marine. I'd just be like, no, I can't do this. They make you run and run and run, and they make you do hard things. Why? So that you can endure when the hard times come. So that you can endure When the hard times come. So he says, endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A soldier will endure during the hard times. They don't quit, they don't give up, they don't back up, they don't back down. The only time that they go back is when they need to regroup to go forward. They don't go back to quit, they go back to regroup to go forward again. What do we need to do? And you know, sometimes we got to do that, right? Sometimes we got to step back and say, God, okay, man, I've been fighting this, but maybe I'm a little off here. Maybe I'm doing a little bit wrong here. And he goes, he goes okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. hang on, let's go do this first. Let's jump over here. We'll come back to this scripture here in just a sec- sec- second. Go to Ephesians chapter six. It's that next one there. Go to Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. And let's see what it says here. I know that we've all read this scripture. I'm sure we've probably been taught on it. It says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So just break a second. Put on the whole armor of God. Why do you put on armor? Why do you put this on? Is because you're in a battle. You're in a battle, folks. I want you to feel good. I would love to, to let you come in here and hand you all $200 and say, go out and have fun. You know, I would love to make you feel good. I would love to let you watch a movie and feel great and go out and go, Oh, I feel really great. But when the hard times come, when the hard times come, that's not going to get you through it. When you're in the military and you're going through basic training, they can make you feel good. They can give you a gun. They can give you bullets. They can maybe even teach you, oh, you know, this is how you shoot the gun and, and everything. And they make, they make it even give you the armor, but not teach you how to put it on, not teach you how to do anything with it, say, and you might feel good for a little bit. You go, oh, I've got what I need to fight. But when you get in the battle... If you don't know what you're supposed to do with it, you don't have it on right, you don't have the gun loaded, you don't have it locked and loaded, ready to go. If it jams up and you don't know how to unjam that gun, gun, that inspiration, that feel-good moment, it disappears. What feels good at that point is you know that you've been trained to do it right. You know that when this thing happens, now I do this. And that is what the church is about. That is what we're supposed to be about. He says, he says be strong in the Lord in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God so that you can withstand the the schemes of the devil. Now go to the next verse here. For our fight, get this, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I encourage you, write this scripture down. Write that scripture down. Quote it. Learn it this week. And every time you come up against something difficult and you start start messing with somebody, somebody starts messing with you, somebody starts getting on your nerves or something's going wrong, I want you to take it back, go back to that scripture. It says, I want you to say, hey, my fight is not against flesh and blood, but my fight is against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Why is the United States going the direction it is? I take you back to George Washington who would pray over his troops who would pray and he would seek out the face of God over his troops, over the founders of this country who spent time praying and and having services in the capital of the United States of America. What were they doing? They were fighting not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities, the rulers of darkness and the spiritual forces in heavenly places. That's what we are battling against. Inspiration gets you nowhere. Inspiration cannot help you battle that inspiration. If you haven't put on the full armor of God, go to the next verse. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done all to stand. You stand. D-Day. Remember D-Day? I hope hope you young people are learning learning history in, in school nowadays. D-Day, we go there. You know, what it would have been real easy when we got there and some of the plans didn't exactly go the way we expected them to and the winds blew our paratroopers in the wrong spots and these kind of things. It would have been easy for them to say, you know what, let's tuck tail and turn. Let's run. But instead, they knew what their orders were. They knew what they had to do. And when they hit the beaches, when they come to Normandy and they hit those beaches and they were bringing in those things and they were seeing – people die around them. They didn't turn around and run the other way. what did they do? They kept on going forward. Why? Because they knew there is an objective here. There's something that I've got to get done, and I have been equipped and trained for it, and it may not be great, and I may not have somebody on the right and left of me and the back of me at all times, but I know if I go forward, we could do this. We're going to stand. It's the same way with the Scripture. We have, to, we have to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand. He says, be a good soldier and endure or stand when the, when the tough times come. I want you to feel good, but I want you to understand that we cannot continue as a body of believers. We cannot continue to say life is going to be great. It's going to be good. Hey, we have got a great country. We have had the freedoms that no country has ever experienced like we have for, for over 200 years now. We've had those freedoms. But We can't sit around and say it's always going to be this way. We're just going to kick back and relax and enjoy it and grab our smartphones and our tablets and our computers and our you know smart cars and everything else, and life's going to be great because, you know what, everything, we're protected. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. You know, that, 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 that's, that's not going to happen. That's great for your kids to think that way. It's great for you when you're 5-year-old, 7-year-old, 8-year-old, and they go, you know what, things are going to be great. Dad, Mom's taking care of me. It's good for them to feel that way. But as you grow up, the, the scripture says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. When we are, when, when we are spiritually a child, it's okay to go, hey, things, things are looking better, looking good. But as we grow up, we have to understand that this is a fight, this is a battle. Jesus has won the war. He's won it. He, there is victory in him. But that doesn't mean we get to sit back. We know we have victory. We know what the end is going to be like. But we have to stand. He says, stand therefore, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. This is the armor of God. Next verse. And above all, taking the shield of faith which uh, with you, with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Next verse, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit always with all kinds of prayer and supplication to that end. Be alert with all uh, perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray for me that the power to speak may be given to me. So he's sitting here, he's going, hey, as great a guy as I am, I'm asking you to pray for me too. I got to stand too. Uh, you got to be there with me too. You got to focus too. I need your help. This is what we have to do as a church. We cannot let the freedoms of the United States. We cannot let those freedoms lull us into this this sleepiness. Lull us into this. You know, um, how many of you? You go to lunch and you've been you're hungry. You didn't eat very good this morning, so you go to lunch and you eat you a really great lunch. Boy, you get filled full up, and then it's 1 o'clock, and you're like, oh, I'm ready to take a nap now. <laughs> and you still got a half a day to go. We can't let our freedoms do that to us as Christians, get us so full of our freedoms and go, oh, that feels good. I can just sit back. Oh, Franklin Graham, I love Franklin Graham. Ah, oh, I love to hear him preach. I love to hear him. Man, he's, a, he's an amazing man of God. I'll let him do that. Uh, I'm gonna serve the Lord over here in my house, and you know can we still have fun? Can yeah, yeah, can we still enjoy life? Yes, but the question is are we are we ready? Let's go back over to second Timothy chapter two there, and that verse that we left off of second Timothy chapter two. Let's go on going up a couple of verses there. Share, uh, yeah, endure, everywhere. endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier on active duty entangles himself with the civilian affairs that he may, be, that he may please the enlisting officer. Now, a soldier doesn't get, get caught up in all of this over here. The soldier stays committed and dedicated and focused on what the officers are telling him to do. a matter of fact, you're going to get in trouble if you get entangled with other things. They ain't going to be happy about that. You didn't show up to win. You're supposed to be in the barracks at this time. You didn't get up to win. You were supposed to be out there on the line at this time. It doesn't doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. And what do we see with uh, church today, with the the Church of America? I've told you this before. uh, A person says they're an average attender if they attend church once every five to six weeks. Once every five to six weeks, they're an average attender. That is just crazy. 20 years ago, if you didn't go to church three times a week, you didn't go to church. Now, I'm not saying you got to go to church three times a week. What I'm saying is this is how we have changed. We went from that to now I'm an average attender if I go every five to six weeks. And I'm going to get into some other stuff on that next week We're going to be taking communion in a very unique way next week. I encourage you to come, invite people to come. I think you're going to enjoy it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get over into Acts chapter 2, springboarding out of 2 Timothy to Acts chapter 2 next week. So I encourage you to be here and bring somebody. Say, you will probably have never taken communion the way we're going to do it next week. It's going to be very interesting. We're going to bring some stuff out about that. No soldier entangles himself. Let's go to the next scripture there. Anyone who competes as an athlete is not rewarded without com- competing legally. So we're jumping off, okay? So he, he uses the soldier as an example. We talk about the armor of God as an example. we got to put that on. That takes time, folks. Anybody ever seen a Roman soldier? You see the armor they put on? They don't just get it in a couple of seconds, right? And even in the military today, it's going to take you a, f- a couple of minutes to get everything on. You get your 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 vest on. You get get all of your stuff in and if you have to get your packs loaded up, you know, if you're having to go on a long trip, you know, the right kind of boots have got to be on your feet, you know, those kind of things, you don't have those things, you're going to tear down, you're going to break down and you're going to slow everybody else down and I don't know what the protocol is but I'm sure some people probably get left behind because uh, when they don't do it correctly because they can't, you got to keep on going, all right? So it it doesn't happen quickly. Now he's he's jumping over and he says, okay, I've given you this. Be like a soldier. Now he says if you compete as an athlete, uh, you're not rewarded if you don't compete legally. Now probably you heard the story, I think it was two or three years ago, It's a Boston Marathon, one of those marathons, where the person won the marathon in record time, but what they had done is they had jumped out of line and jumped on the bus and they took him to the end of the marathon and then jumped back out and jumped back in and took off. (laughs) That's me. That's what I would have done, because that's the only way I would have finished that thing. But they didn't, they they found out about it. They did not win, and you cannot win without competing legally. How about the farmer who labors Uh, should be the first to partake of the crops? Continue. Consider what I'm saying, and may the Lord grant you understanding in all these things. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead descended from David, according to my gospel, and we're gonna go into that next week a little bit. But here's, he says, I suffer trouble like a criminal, even with chains, but the word of God is not bound. Here's the deal, folks. When we look at the New Testament, and we're gonna look at this even deeper next week, how the New Testament believers, what they had to think about, what they were going through, when we talk about communion and other things, what was going on in their minds that has really, I think, we've got a clouded uh, view of what church is today. And I want to to contend that if we go back to the church of Acts, things would be different. You you had to remember that the apostles and those following Jesus expected Jesus to be this conquering warrior, this guy who was going to free them from the Romans, and that didn't happen. But it was after he was resurrected from the dead that they began to realize who he was, what the plan was, what was going to happen. And then you had that day on the day of Pentecost, remember, you had 3,000 people come to salvation just on that day alone. Why? Because they finally figured out what they were supposed to be doing, what Jesus was here for, what was going on. And see, we need to figure the same thing. We need to ask for understanding and say, wait a minute, God, what as Christians are we really here for? As a church, what are we really here for? Are we here just to make people feel good? Yes, listen, you can. the Bible says we have peace that surpasses all understanding in Jesus Christ. I agree with that. That means that even in the worst of struggles, you could still have peace. That means even, and I've told this before, I've told you this before, even those, those men who had their heads chopped off a few years ago uh, by ISIS, when they, when they lined them all up in those orange jumpsuits, how did their wives, how did they have peace? Because it's in Jesus that they had peace, not in their self. Tony Robbins didn't come to their house and give them some really great you know, insight into how you can be a, a better person. No, it's Jesus, who they were in Jesus, who they believed in and who they knew. And they knew that they weren't battling against flesh and blood, that they were battling against things and forces of evil. And we've got to understand that. And I don't want to get into, you know, people get into the crazy stuff, you know. I'm not saying we've got to get into crazy stuff. But what I'm saying is we have to understand that we are fighting something that's different. And if we're not prepared for that, inspiration won't get us anywhere. And I'm sure, you military guys, I'm sure that that uh, you know, uh, when you were in uh, your drill sergeants and, and other people, they probably told you some stuff that really inspired you, that maybe got you somewhere, but they probably they probably pushed you harder than they uh, to be prepared than they did just inspiring you, because they knew that just because I tell you, man, this is how it's going to go, they knew that you had to be ready to endure, and as a church, we need to be ready to endure. I'm not saying that, that things are going to change in the next, you know, 20 minutes or 20 years or 200. I don't know what's going to go on. Only God knows what's going to go on in the United States. I know that we're headed down a, a very dark path as a society. When you have the whole state uh, legislature of New York votes to kill babies up until the day of birth. I mean, come on. When you have uh, – th- there's some good things. When you have Alabama that just, uh, that just approved – um, an abortion law at eight weeks of birth and passed. You couldn't have abortion um, except for the life of the mother only. And the same thing happened in Missouri. I think there's a little bit more strict. Uh, and then you have the Republican leader in the House say, well, you know, um, it's, it's a little bit more uh, strict than I would have done it. You know, we, we st- that means we st- it doesn't matter. We still have people out there that think it's okay to kill at some point. It's okay to murder at some point. When you have <clears throat> a legislature in uh, the, in the Georgia, Georgia, Georgia legislature says, well, you either kill them now or kill them later. That was words out of his own mouth. You either kill them now or, you, or maybe it's Alabama. But anyway, one of those, I, I get them confused sometimes. But kill them now or kill them later. So we cannot sit back and say, oh, no, you know, no, nothing, it's, it's okay. We just have, we have a couple of political parties. We've got some things going on. But it's no, let me tell you something. The battle, the battle is not flesh and blood. And so that's why I'm saying it's, this isn't, I'm not saying political. It's not, it's not about being political. It's about fighting for what is right, for what God wants, for what the Lord wants. And we as a nation, we can have a Christian nation. Listen, we had churches that were booming 20 years ago. We had churches, I mean, we have 100 to 200 churches every weekend that are shutting their doors today. 20 years ago, we had churches opening up. 9-11 happened, and the churches filled up for weeks after because people were looking for hope. They were looking for answers somewhere. And I just heard on the radio this morning that they are calling the Gen Z, my kids, that age. Destiny, you're Gen Z, too. (laughs) Uh, They're calling that age. They are the they they are the postmodern American, post postmodern Christian Americans, meaning that no longer post Christian they no longer do they live in a in a in a in a state of mind where they're taught in in whether it's public schools or anywhere else, where they're taught that that this is a Christian nation. And that we should get, we should be in church, and we should learn, and we should study, and we should do these kind of things. Instead, they're being taught you don't need God. They're the post God generation, the post Christian generation. That's where we're at. And I'm going to get into that a little bit some of this next week. But I'm going to tell you this: one of those reasons is because parents have said has have made decisions that church in in. Uh, participating in church is one of the lesser important things to do. And, 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 and if, if you believe differently than what I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you something. You're just going to like say, I'm not trying to trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but this is, this is the truth. 20 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, sports were not played on Wednesday nights. Sports were not played on Sundays. I'm talking about youth sports. They weren't. Why? Because they couldn't get enough kids to come play. Why? Because they were in church. But today, the attitude is it's okay if I'm not in if, if I'm not in church because I, I got sports. What has the attitude become? The attitude has become that church is something on my list, but it's not the first thing on my list. So if my child misses church, it's not a big deal. And then we wonder why 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 uh, why a Gen Z and the millennials have grown up and going. I really don't need to go to church. I really don't need to participate in the body of Christ. I really don't need that. Why? Well, mom and dad never made it important. Did you know moms and dads? I don't care what age you are. You know moms and dads, did you know that you're probably the most important influencer in your children's life? Not that they're always going to do what you say, but you're probably the most important influencer in their life. They're watching you. They're listening to you. They're paying attention to you. You, above anybody else, I mean, take, take for an example what Will said this morning. Even though his dad had a lot of stuff messed up, and, and who was he looking and watching? His dad. And in many ways, he became his dad in some of those ways. And he had to change. Do you think Will would still love to be able to look at his dad and say, man, I want to follow my dad's footsteps in these areas? But he can't No, Notice I said yet. We, we believe that the Lord's going to save him and, and raise him up. But do you believe? Do, don't tell me any child that wants to sit there and go. Oh, I don't want. I don't want my mom and dad to be, to to be the person to look up to. I believe every child is looking down deep in their heart, going, "I wish that was the person I could look up to." And if you have children that are that are stray, that are not living for the Lord, and you've been trying, let me tell you something. You just keep on fighting. You just keep on focusing. You just keep on believing because it's going to come around. If you train them up, the Bible says, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. In the end, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. So when we look at this, I want us to begin to think about Paul in this Second Timothy and the last. He, he was challenging a young man, Timothy his son in the Lord. He was challenging him. And instead of saying, hey, man, you're doing a great job, you know, go enjoy yourself, instead he's like, whoa, wait a minute, get ready. Get ready because I'm I'm asking you just to get, I'm asking you to stand. I'm asking you to get strong. I'm asking you to be able to endure. I'm asking you to keep up the fight And what I've been having to do, what I've been, I want you to be the next person to carry that. And I want you, and the thing is, people, It's not that this was to Timothy, this was to us, or we wouldn't have it. This scripture, this epistle was written to us, or we wouldn't have it. The Lord wanted us to have it. And so he's saying, you can put yourself in in Timothy's place and say, wait a minute. The Lord, through Paul, is telling us, endure, be prepared, get ready, know the gospel. And he goes into that in the next part. "Know Know what you believe. Get ready for it so that you can endure in this end, in this time, in this time.